Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 202, being recorded on December 4th, 2019. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. We are in the thick of holiday 2019 and are really excited to have back on the show uh, Adobe, and I think this is the fourth time. Uh, you fact check, check me on that, Jason. Have one of the interns uh, check. I, I I actually had one of the interns send you that number, so yes, it's right. Good. All right, pre pre fact checked. We're getting pretty uh, reliable here at the Jason Scott Show. Um, this year, representing Adobe, we have Taylor Schreiner. He is the director of Adobe Digital Insights. Welcome, Taylor. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, we are excited to have you, Taylor. And a uh, sort of a tradition on the show. Um, we always like to give uh, listeners a little bit of background. So can you kind of share with us um, some highlights of your background and, and what your role is at Adobe? Sure. Um, so I was the 52nd best chess player in Utah in fifth grade. Uh, and then from there, I went into a career in retail. Uh, no, I, I went uh, to work on Internet Insights about 15 years ago with some of the major Internet players um, across the industry. And I've been doing that for a decade and a half. And then about three years ago, I found my dream job here uh, at Adobe running Adobe Adobe Digital Insights. We get to tell these amazing stories about how the digital world works. And we get to tell people about how tech and companies and events are changing their digital lives and companies about how those same trends are affecting how they need to run their businesses. And we get to talk about retail. We get to talk about travel. We get to talk about a whole host of different things. Uh, And it's been fantastic. And I get to work with some amazing data scientists and analysts to develop these insights. And it lets me have conversations like this one with you guys. So it's it's a perfect gig and I love it. Awesome. So to recap, this is sort of a career highlight for you right now. Yeah, I like to I like to go from highlight to highlight, but this one yeah, I'm yeah. loving it. Be, uh, pinnacle, I like it. Um, and I think Jason I'm, means I'm, being on our podcast. He he wants an explicit answer on that one. Oh yes. I, <laughs> let me give you a, a quotable thing. Being on the Jason and Scott show is a career highlight uh, to date. Boom. That, boom. Yeah, you'll see that in the in the preview show pretty soon here. Uh, <laughs> and I'm sure all this inside stuff is going to be super fascinating. But I, I have to know first if you've kept up your chess at all, chess at all. Uh, only recently, my eight year old has started to learn to play chess. And he's creeping up on being able to beat me. And that is uh, not acceptable. So yeah, that's a losing battle. You could probably keep ahead of him for a little while. But I, I think uh, there's a, a natural progression there that's working against you. I'm afraid so. Um, awesome. Well, let's jump into the data. Uh, so we talk about your data a lot on the show. We already did a, a, an episode this week, in fact, where we talked about some of your data. And it always falls on me to describe your data set, and I'm sure I butcher it. So um, here's a chance to kind of refresh our audience from the horse's mouth. Can you tell us a little bit about um, uh, what the data set is and, and uh, how you use it? Sure. So we build a model of U.S. online retail sales based on trillions of website visits, based on tens, in fact, I think over hundreds of millions of SKUs, based on data from thousands of different companies all across the U.S., across a, you know, a variety of device types, OSs, 
uh, and other information. And we use that to, to plan out, especially on a day by day and occasionally hour by hour basis, uh, how we think that that season's gonna go. So we predict it all. And then we go back and we track uh, on a daily and again, sometimes hourly basis, how uh, US online retail sales go. Uh, so it's a big data lift, and we spend all year getting to this point uh, to be able to talk uh, in almost real time about how uh, how those sales are going. Got it. And so just to make sure my understanding is correct, so um, there are a ton of, of major e-commerce sites that use an analytics product called Adobe Analytics, which is, uh, if you go back far enough, formally uh, Omniture. Mm-hmm. And so it the the core of your data set is an aggregated view of all of those customers that are using that analytics tool for, for their e-commerce sites. Do I have that right? Yes. Yeah, so the majority of the data that we've, we've got, and this is not including uh, some data from the recent Magento acquisition, so that there's a whole other set of data sources as well as some other things we talk about around the periphery. But the core of the data uh, that we work with are data from opted in, so companies that have chosen to share data with us um, and for, for value that we give them. And so that shared data, anonymized before we even touch it, and aggregated at a very high level. So we can talk about these macro trends. But yes, that's where the data comes from, Adobe Analytics. Perfect. And then, um, uh, and that was you already answered my follow-up question. Uh, in the core data set, you have not integrated any of the new data that you might have access to from Magento. And if I have it right, you're also at this point, not really using data from the rest of the Adobe marketing cloud? Mm, well, I wouldn't necessarily say oh. that. So okay. we, do, uh, we do a lot of, so we have integrated a lot of the Magento data. Um, it allowed us to look at things like shipping and returns that, that uh, were, new, were new sort of angles for us. And it certainly gives us an amazing view into that tail set, uh, as well as some of the bigger players in terms of e-commerce. Uh, but we also you know, use the Marketo data, formerly Marketo data, to look at some of our marketing channel information. Uh, AdCloud, which used to be TubeMogul, uh, which I worked for, um, we use them for some advertising data around Thanksgiving. So we, we bring in all the pieces. Oh, cool. Um, but, you know, not all of it necessarily goes to that top line number, as you, as you say. Sure. And then um, it, you kind of alluded to this, but you're not just trying to report on trends from adobe customers you're you're using some uh, advanced math and uh, you do adobe customers represent a big chunk of the market but then you in interpolate uh what the total market is based on on the the subset that you see do i have that correct you do i could spend a whole other podcast on how we do that yeah let's not do that but let's just call it cool yes. math it's cool math we do cool yeah. math and then the other thing that comes up a lot, and I think you guys are um, really good in this as well, like very often we talk last year versus this year. And when a lot of vendors report their data, the customers they have this year are different than the customers they have last year. So when they're, when they're talking year over year growth and things like that, it's usually not perfect apples to apples. Um, but because you're, you're um, trying to normalize the data for the whole market before you do it. When, when you say there is a 20% growth this year versus last year, um, that, that's a pretty accurate number. Uh, I yeah, I think my answer to that is yep. You said that really well. Perfect. Uh, you can use that in your highlights. <laughs> now we've, we've <laughs> reciprocated. Awesome. Cool. So uh, now that Jason's extracted his pound of flesh, let's, uh, <laughs> let's jump in at a high level. How, how would you view holiday 2019 shaping up? I, 
I think he's been quite strong. It has been strong all through today. In fact, uh, if you'll let me, I'll, I'll give you uh, data as of this morning. So yesterday's numbers through the 3rd of December, we saw $84.7 billion in online retail sales, and that's up 14.8% on uh, last year for the same period. So that's a little faster than our aggregate prediction, but the way that the model is trending that out puts us uh, on target to be about 14.1%, roughly on our uh, predicted path for for the season. So, and that 14.1%, I mean, some listeners and people who visited our website will see that last year was particularly strong. It was a 16% growth year. But if you look back a few years, you know, 2016, 2017, this is sort of on par with those growth rates, but on a much larger base now as we head into you know, almost $150 billion in sales. So it's, it's pretty huge. Um, the, the other tidbit of information I can give uh, listeners about yesterday, uh, Giving Tuesday, is that it was a $3.3 billion day, which is amazing. We're starting to count $3 billion days the way that uh, when I started in this gig, we, we counted $1 billion days. So they're coming fast and furious. Now, that's only up about 11% on last year. So uh, it, it, it leaves us open to the question of, you know, are consumers, have consumers, you know, taken all these early deals uh, and won't be spent later? Or are they uh, just taking a break on Tuesday and, and ready to get back at it today? Yeah, let, let's. Um, so it sounds like we're growing kind of 14% year over year. Um, if you if you kind of look at the shape of the holiday so far, I know you can't predict, or, well, you, you don't mm-hmm. know what it's going to happen uh, here towards the end. It, it's kind of gotten this, what I would call a U shape where it's being more front end loaded and back end loaded. So the front end is people that, that have their act together and, and jump on the deals. Uh, and then the back end is like Jason and I, where we're like, Holy cow, uh, the holiday is here. We should do some shopping on the 23rd. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Uh, it, does that, does that kind of what you've seen and is it getting more pronounced? Can you tell you've seen the front part of the curve? Um, yeah. I saw some data that said like veterans day was unusually large and, and like mm-hmm. early November days were larger. Are you guys seeing that? Uh, absolutely. So uh, we saw, I just pulled some of these numbers for this conversation. You know, if you look from the beginning, what we call the beginning of the season. So the first of November roughly right to um, to that Wednesday, we that whole to the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, that whole period grew at about fifteen percent. So that's and that was about a point and a quarter faster than we would have predicted. So in aggregate, we saw a big uh, lift. We saw a lift above what we would have expected in that early season. And that seems to be attributable to a bunch of uh, earlier deals. We had something similar happening last year, but it's even stronger now, where discounts came earlier in electronics and computers and televisions. Uh, we also saw that, you know, last year, Thanksgiving itself was a breakout day where you had this spike and suddenly Thanksgiving was growing faster than any other day. That spike seems to have moved back now to Wednesday, where the Wednesday before Thanksgiving was growing at about 22%. And I think, again, that's attributable to uh, a lot of deals moving forward uh, in time. So, And to your point, that really changes the shape of the season. You know, we used to basically tell a story of like, look, Everything is sort of lifting around that Cyber 5 set of days. The Cyber 5 set of days is getting a disproportionate share. Um, that's still true, but we're seeing sort of a, a shift back to earlier sales uh, this year. And that might be, have to do with the calendar, but I think it is actually a broader trend of, of thinking about these uh, pre-holiday sales and pre-holiday promotions as being things that happen earlier 
both for retailers and consumers. Yeah, it's interesting to me. It's like um, it feels like in the beginning of the season, you know, there's there's a lot of retailers under stress and have to have a good holiday. And there's this kind of winner take all mentality. And so we both see more aggressive promotions and discounting at the beginning of the season. And I, I feel like we also see more digital marketing, like more investment in ads and things like that, uh, that really goose the front half of that you. Um, and then I have a hypothesis. We'll see if it plays out. But, uh, you know, of course, Amazon has gone to faster and faster shipping. Right. And so this, you know, this will be the first mm-hmm. big holiday with with sort of standard one day delivery. Um, and in various forms, Walmart, Target, and to some extent, even Best Buy have all been forced to sort of match that fast shipping. So, you know, not that long ago, we would have had this this very gentle ramp down of sales as we'd hit shipping cutoffs and people would stop buying goods and then they'd just be doing Opus or gift cards or things like that because they'd run out of time to get the gifts before the end of, uh, you know, in time for holiday. But now everyone can be a procrastinator like Scott and I, because so many of the vendors will ship so fast. So it feels like, like all of those things conspire together to make the very beginning and the very end, these, these, uh, anomalous spikes or that U shape. I think that's, that's going to be absolutely true. And this, this year in particular with this shift to more buy online, pick up in store, um, or click and collect behavior and, to these accelerated shippings, uh, it's going to it's going to make people think they can wait longer in a season where they can't really wait longer. To your point, you know, it's it's three weeks away before even those things are going to be uh, almost too close to Christmas to shop for to 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 purchase with. And so, you know, I, I think uh, we'll see that ramp up at the end as people start to panic a little bit. Uh, and that's also why, by the way, you see uh, jewelry discounts be really strong on like the twentieth. Everybody who's panicked and realized they haven't gotten anything starts uh, starts looking for something nice and blingy to to give as a gift. Interesting. I was always assuming that people just misbehaved right before the holidays, and therefore you you may have a better hypothesis than I do on that one. Yeah, I have no personal experience or data to support that. (laughs) Just to be clear, (laughs) honey, if you're listening, um, the uh, uh, I do want to jump in uh, to the Cyber Five uh, though. Um, So we just got through those. Uh, can you kind of give us a recap for, for specifically how, how Thursday through Monday played out? Sure. So, uh, overall it's about $28 billion of online purchases, uh, over that same time frame, And that's 10, almost $11 billion of purchases through smartphones. So it, overall it was quite strong almost 18%. If you look at those five days over the last year, five days, uh, with peaks, even on Black Friday and Cyber Monday, which always kind of blows my mind because I get the question every year, are these days too big uh, to really grow, outgrow the rest of the season? And I keep thinking, well, maybe next year they will be. And it's not, not the case. People not, not only are moving more online, but they're really focusing a lot of those purchases in increasing amounts uh, on those big days. Uh, so, you know, Cyber Monday, for instance, this year was $9.4 billion. So we're almost going to guarantee that we're going to see a $10 billion day, uh, barring anything serious happening next year on Cyber Monday, which is uh, incredible. And over a third of that, those purchases are really coming on phones. Uh, so you're seeing people not only window shop, but actually make purchases on those big days uh, on their phones, especially uh, not so much Cyber Monday when people go sit in front of their computers at work, but you know people under the table at, on Thanksgiving. Uh, 
people on Black Friday were pretending to hang out with their family, but but buying one or two things anyway. Uh, that's really been a mobile story. And then the other story of the, of the weekend, which uh, I always, you know, we were talking about how buy online, pick up in store um, is a, you know, is a, is a, is a capability that might drive people to wait a little longer for their purchases. But nonetheless, we saw a big bump in Bopus activity, even on that, that major weekend uh, with about 40% more uh, purchases than we had, than we saw last year over the same time frame. So out, outstripping overall growth and really um, pushing Bopus share up. Interesting. And so, and if I think of it from a historical perspective, you know, 10 years ago, uh, fewer people had reliable internet. And so like, you know, Cyber Monday or we'll call it 20 years ago, Cyber Mm -hmm. Monday became a big thing. Like we'd all uh, enjoy Thanksgiving. We'd go to work on Monday, steal our boss's internet and go shopping. Right. Um, And so that that was like the one day spike. And then as, as uh, you know, we all became uh, ubiquitously online, uh, the traditional big shopping day, Black Friday, also became a big online day. And in fact, I feel like there often are these forecasts that that Friday is eventually going to surpass Monday online, which uh, seems like hasn't happened yet, right? Do I but have that right? It hasn't gotten there yet. Yep. Um, and I, then, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, finish your thought. I was going to say, and then increasingly, those other days in the weekend have grown to be extraordinarily meaningful. So like, you know, frankly, 10 years ago, we'd talk a lot about Cyber Monday. I actually don't care as much specifically about the results on Cyber Monday because it, it feels like the the aggregate results of the Cyber 5 is much more uh, important and indicative of how holiday is going than any one day in, the, in, the, in that block nowadays. Is that a, a, a good way to look at it or am I being short-sighted? No, I would agree with that. And I think what's always fascinating to me and is a uh, you know, topic of a longer conversation is that, to your point, there's no need necessarily now for Cyber Monday. Everybody's not only got good internet access at home, they've got good internet, internet access in their hand. Uh, but we have become so habituated to that day being a major sales day, and both on the consumer and the retailer side, that it continues to grow. Uh, and the psychology of this often drives um, a lot of the behavior, even beyond the pricing or the deals or anything that our model might pick up. Uh, so to your point, you know, I, I think if you just looked at the data, you might think, hey, look, this is all going to smooth out a little bit. But people continue to, to think about those days as the big days to go shopping uh, online and offline. Interesting. So you're saying people might be willing to go shopping even when it's slightly irrational. Interesting. No, <laughs> thank God for that. Finding I, I came up with, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and along those lines, it feels like folks have been trying to um, kind of make hay in some of those other days. Like for a while now, that that uh, Saturday has been small business Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and I think there's a couple of people trying to grab Sunday now too, right? Is I'm trying to, yeah. Uh, Super Sunday has a, a bunch of different cuts at it, exactly, and they, and they are big days now. We were talking about. Um, you know, they're, they're three and a half, almost $4 billion each. And this it's massive. Any other day of the year, and uh, we would be having a conversation about a particular $3 billion day, but they just come fast and furious uh, between November and Christmas. Do you, do you have a, at the end of the season, um, everyone has a different word. There used to be like, a free shipping day. And then I think it's called green day or something, but do you guys, mm. what is, what is last year? Like, was there a bump and is it, how does that compare to like cyber Monday? 
So we, we would see uh, ramps toward the end of last year, and I don't have the, the last little couple days um, to hand, but they were more, they're closer to sort of Super Saturday and, uh, uh, or even smaller than that in the sort of $2 billion range. Um, as you head in there, they're not, they're, they weren't as big a ramp last year, but to our earlier point, I'm really curious to see if we don't see a big bump uh, come to the 20th or 19th. Yeah. It, this is just kind of came to me. So it's, if you don't have an answer, I understand. So, so last sure. year we grew 16% and this year we're growing 14. Where do you think that 2% Delta is coming from? Is it just kind of across the board or is it a certain category underperforming? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? Uh, I have some thoughts and I think it'll be a really interesting conversation to have in a few weeks. Uh, but the, the, um, the, so a couple things, first of all, you know, the, the model's telling us 14 ish. Um, my gut says there might be more upside risk there than downside. So that some of that gap might close. Um, what seems to be the case so far in the data is that there was a proportionally even bigger push into the early season, um, because of, uh, um, as people moved into Thanksgiving and, and on, on, um, on that Wednesday, some of those deals move forward. But honestly, if you just if you're just looking at the math, which is uh, what we particularly are good at, the just pushing the season shorter between Thanksgiving and Christmas is about a billion dollars, which is uh, you know fifty basis fifty of those basis points uh, or more, sorry, on its own. So between a little bit of margin of error and some of those basis points and uh, and uh, and not the shock of all these earlier deals that got everybody accelerated, I think between those three things, you kind of get to. Uh, the Delta. Okay. So the jury's still out kind of depends on how the models perform and and how people react to those missing days. Yeah, exactly. Uh, If we get a big surge and everybody sort of just comes off of the, off of cyber Monday and thinks, gosh, I got a sprint toward, uh, toward, toward whatever the last shipping day is, then that'll be very different than everybody feeling like, gosh, I I blew my budget uh, on all those early deals. Cool. Uh, it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't talk a little bit about Amazon. Um, and I, I understand if you can't talk specifically about any one retailer or, or whatnot. Um, but any insights into how Amazon's holiday is going? They they put out their annual release that said something like vague, like we sold hundreds of millions of dollars, and you know third parties did great. So so it always befuddles Wall Street when they they kind of put out these puzzle boxes for them to figure figure out. Yeah, you get J.J. Abrams doing their press releases. No, I, yeah. uh, as, as you said, uh, it wouldn't be your podcast if you didn't ask about Amazon. It wouldn't be a Adobe response if I didn't say we don't talk about particular retailers. But what I can say uh, is we do track the, the biggest and the smallest against each other, really looking at, um, especially as you see two big trends, right? big, a lot of discussion about big, big uh, retailers pushing uh, click and collect, pushing one-day shipping, having great deals. Uh, and a lot of democratization of uh, e-commerce as, you know, a lot of platforms, you know, we have platform as well as others that makes that much easier for people to, to bring businesses to the market. So those two, two forces are going on. Um, in the, on the average, uh, you, you see big companies outperforming smaller ones uh, in terms of growth. So if you compare November, an average day in November to an average day in October, for the big companies, they're up about, and these are sort of billion dollar plus companies, they're up about 87% uh, in sales. Whereas the smaller companies in the 50 million and lower range, so these are the small ones, are up only about 43%. And some of that is that's coming from at least, from the data at least, is coming from two things. One is 
uh, the larger companies are are much better at uh, mobile conversion. So they're 80% better at taking a customer and bringing them to purchase on a phone than, than the smaller companies. And consequently, they get about 10% more of their share of their revenue uh, from those phones. And the way that I, I read the data is that if you're a consumer and you are going to a big retailer, that big retailer has a number of advantages, including a wide set of products, a wide set of promotions, generally really good AI at connecting you with those promotions and a really slick, speedy checkout process that they've, they've worked on really hard. And for the smaller companies, they obviously don't have this quite as wide a selection. Some of them haven't um, figured out how to, how to turn customers uh, into buyers as, as swiftly. Uh, the, but the last thing I would say, and this is I think the most important part about this is I am talking about the averages. So, you know, in the, in the smaller companies, there's a lot of entry, a lot of people trying things out um, and a lot of exit. And uh, there are within that average, a huge number of small companies who are just blowing the doors off. It's just that on average, uh, they're not doing as well as the, as the very big ones. Sure, that makes sense. Uh, um, you you talked a little bit about omnichannel. I wanted to d- jump into that for just a second. Th- that seems like an area where, um, in particular, a lot of the big companies have made major visible investments in their infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, Target bought Shipped, and then now that's heavily integrated, and they have um, rich like same day delivery and curbside pickup options available in- across all their mobile platforms. Uh, Walmart, you know, has has done a bunch for general merchandise omnichannel, but even more for grocery um, and curbside pickup and and all uh, of those things. Even um, uh, the uh, Amazon, you know, although much smaller uh, footprint, are starting to get a little better at omnichannel with their with their small footprint of retail stores. Um, is any indication if that's paying off? Like, are you guys able to to see an omni-channel transaction versus a pure digital transaction? And is there any, like, is the rate of growth of those omni-channel transactions faster than overall? Oh, yeah. So we're we're seeing, you know, as we said, we're, we're roughly in the 14 to 16% range uh, in growth for the overall marketplace. But for buy online, pick up and store for Bopus, I love that word, um, it's up at like 40% for the season. So it's way outstripping uh, overall sales. And what's also really interesting is we see that, and this has a little bit to do with large versus small, but we see that um, companies that offer uh, BOPIS uh, are 20% better at converting than companies that don't offer BOPIS. So people are coming there uh, specifically for that capability, uh, or at least finding that capability incredibly valuable to them. And my, my thought on this is, you know, look, we've got a phone in our hand that has moved the display window experience into your hand. It's moved the checkout experience into your hand. And you know, everybody just wants to move that fulfillment, that, that one thing in between, the fulfillment experience, uh, closer and closer. And you know, one-day shipping is great, but uh, sometimes it's just easier if you drive down in about 10 minutes and go pick up the thing you, you just saw and knew you wanted. Oh, and plus, these guys are, um, you know, what we see in the survey data too is that this is good for the brick and mortar stores. That not only are they, you know, as you guys know, that not only are they making people making purchases online and sitting in the car and getting that that pickup, they're also going to the store and buying another thing because they thought of it on the drive, and that that makes a big difference for uh, for the brick and mortar stores as well. Very cool. Um, you, you've hit on this a little bit, but let's talk about mobile. So, um, do you guys, when I talk about mobile, I, I tend to take 
tablet out. And, and it seems like you do too. Mm-hmm. You seem to be explicitly calling out smartphone. Um, so, so you mentioned, I think, I can't remember, was it black Friday? You said it was a third of the sales came from mobile. Um, talk yeah. us through any other kind of insights on, on the mobile side. Sure. Uh, so to your point, we tried, we've tried in pr- prior years to be really disciplined about mobile versus smartphone. We've been a little lax this year because tablets are, are decreasing share. So uh, smartphone really has started across that that one-third uh, threshold on major days in terms of dollars spent. It was always, or has been for the past couple of years, the majority of visits were coming from phones. So people were doing initiating their shopping. We had this challenge in, in prior years, and we still do some we do now, that they weren't closing the deal uh, from that mobile visit, either not at all or going to the desktop to make purchase. That gap continues to close. In fact, on Christmas uh, of this year, we expect to have the first day in the U.S. where the majority of online purchases actually come through a phone. As people aren't going to their computers when their families are around, they're actually using their phones to make that, that purchase. And okay. the, the, the things that are driving this, at least in the data that we see, are uh, two really interesting and related points. One is that time per visit is going down rapidly. So consumers are coming. They're not messing around. Um, they're ex- looking for and expecting uh, the product that they uh, that they came for, at least a product to buy. And some of that is going to be uh, in part because you know connection speeds have gotten faster, screens have gotten bigger, processes are faster. But also retailers have gotten much better at streamlining that process on the mobile phone. And consequently, the amount of money that people are spending per minute or per second on a mobile phone it continues to skyrocket month after month, year after year, as people just get faster at making those purchases, especially with a lot of the new checkout options that make make it easier than, you know, say, trying to type in the numbers on your credit card. That's uh, fascinating. The um, That would be cool if uh, Christmas did end up being the first, like, majority mobile day. Um, I was also curious, you mentioned something earlier um, that it sounds like that I call it a mobile gap when traffic's high, but conversions lower. And it sounds like that mobile gap is getting lower for big companies. And you cited a couple of reasons why that might be um, in general. Do you feel like that? Like, is that mobile gap um, getting narrower across the board or is it only for large companies that they're, they're being successful closing that gap? Well, I think large companies, again, it has to do with sort of the, the broad, um, uh, a, you know, array of, there's a much broader array of outcomes in smaller companies than in larger ones. So it's harder to paint them with the, with the same brush. The large companies obviously have focused on this, figured it out. They can track per second, per user, per region, per item, um, how much time consumers are willing to tolerate, and they can shave those things down, uh, if nothing else, by just bringing more machines online. Can, uh, smaller businesses don't always have that um, uh, ability, but the, the platforms, um, one of which Adobe has, but the, you know, the, the other platforms for e-commerce um, are making that whole process uh, from visit to fulfillment and even in the marketing channel uh, much much more uh, streamlined, especially for small businesses who uh, really think about that for a little bit and focus on, on what their consumers' uh, experience needs to be. Got it. Um, so I want to uh, transition uh, briefly to profitability. So last Ooh. year, I feel like the narrative would have been, uh, you know, a big growth year, a jump from the, the previous year. But a lot of people felt like it was uh, that was partly attributed to heavier than usual promotions, which meant uh, 
it actually ended up being, you know, not a phenomenal profitability year. Um, mm-hmm. And so this year we're seeing the rate of growth slow a little bit from last year. Is there any reason to believe that people are being more conservative on promotions or are, are, do you have any insights about how we're going to come out from a, a promotions and profitability perspective? So, you know, I'll be honest, uh, we're, you know, we're really good about figuring out the revenue. We're really good about figuring out prices. We, we are generally missing that third piece of costs uh, that allows you to talk about profitability. But I'll tell you what, I was, I was thinking about this um, this morning and last night and uh, looking, at a bunch of, looking at it from a bunch of different angles in our data. And, and frankly, the, the short answer is the results are mixed. So we did, you know, if you asked me this a, a week or so ago, uh, or even two, I would have said, look, the discounts seem to be moving forward, especially in electronics. Um, and so, you know, maybe the, you know, maybe the, the, the profit margins are, are slimming. But then we started to look at toys and toys bottomed out quickly. Um, uh, you know, maybe once the Toys R Us process was, was through, uh, the toy discounts didn't go as deep this year as they did last year. And we're seeing something we saw, for instance, when we looked at appliances, appliances discounts were a little bit later than last year. So exactly how the, the profit margins are going to go, hard to say, but the, um, uh, you know, and the revenue looks reasonably strong. So, you know, I, I think the jury is uh, a bit out on, on where profitability is going to land, but I don't, for consumers, see a year where we like have massively deeper discounts uh, than the last year. We just have them earlier and on particular products. Got it. That, uh, that makes sense. And I, I, I agree. It's, it's really hard to get a, a clear picture until well after the fact on the promotions, because there's like there's promotions and pricing effects and all these other things. But one thing that seems like it might be coming to play a little bit more in profitability this year is profitability. Like there's a couple levers. One is that pricing a promotion. Another is the cost of acquisition. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I do feel like folks, uh, there's a lot of folks that use the Adobe marketing cloud um, for, for their cost of acquisition. Like, are you guys seeing any trends around, higher advertising rates or spend rates than previous years? Or is that not something you guys are looking at yet? So we, we don't, we haven't looked at overall uh, investment in advertising. That can be a fairly complicated thing to, to grab, to look into, but we have looked at performance and individual, um, you know, ad level pricing. And what's interesting is we definitely see if you're, if you're advertising, um, especially in video, but also in display or search, you're going to see costs go up, um, a bit as everybody sort of pours online and uh, wants to wants to acquire customers in the in the video realm that's about twenty three percent higher CPMs, but when we look at performance metrics, those go up by an even greater amount. So uh, you know again in video that so where where prices went twenty three percent performance in terms of uh, viewable completions of, of videos are going up thirty percent, or we see for instance you know email efficacy goes up uh, quite a bit over that that same time frame. So, you know, we certainly haven't reached a point of uh, diminishing returns uh, in those areas yet where prices start to outstrip performance growth. And I think there's a lot of opportunity for customer acquisition there. Uh, and and advertisers and marketers have figured that out and are, are pouring the money in now when it's, uh, when it's most productive. That, that makes sense. And that's going to be a great place to leave it because we have uh, slightly exceeded our allotted time for this show. Um, but as always, if uh, we didn't get to something that folks want to talk about, you're welcome to hit us up on Twitter um, or leave us a question on our Facebook page. Uh, as always, if you enjoyed the show, we'd really appreciate it if you um, 
jump on to uh, iTunes and give us that five-star review. Um, we're also nominated for this uh, uh, Vendor of the Year Award in our category, so I'll put a link in the show notes. If you could take a couple minutes and vote for us, we'd really appreciate that. But uh, Taylor, really appreciate you being on the show and, and uh, sharing the data. I know it's a busy week for you. Thank you guys so much. Really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Taylor. Until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 